0: Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to coach and owner of Eviltrack.com, Derek Evely. Tune into this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So, along a common theme over the last couple of weeks, I've got a part two. So this time with Derek Evely, we spoke a couple of years ago, and we spoke about the Bondarchuk methodology. So Derek has established himself as the kind of go-to expert for when it comes to Bondachuk methodology, because of the time that he spent um, with the man himself. So in the last episode, we discussed that methodology, as long as as well as sorry the build up to the London 2012 Olympic Games where Derek was based in Loughborough uh, and looking after that regional centre. So since then, Derek has built out his website and created an online course all based around the Chuck methodology. So that forms the basis of the chat, not necessarily the course, but giving us the basics and a bit of an overview of the methodology itself and how that may be able to be transferred into other environments other sports but mainly what is the crux of the bondage methodology and what has made um, the man himself and Derek uh successful using this method so really interesting chat whether you're a track guy with field guy or team sport guy there's definitely something there for everyone and i'm sure you'll come away thinking um asking yourself questions about what you do day to day so i'm sure you'll really enjoy this episode
1: if there was one thing I would say to people that write programs in any sport for anyone, if there's one thing I've learned, and you would really only learn this with the Chuck system because we're so hardcore with that not wave loading volume and intensity and using exercises to drive adaptation, the change in exercise set. If there's one thing I would say that you can benefit from it, even if you're not doing Bonnerchuk and I talk a lot about this in the course, control your change. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast
0: is sponsored by Excentric. So Excentric are a Sweden-based company and is a developer of the groundbreaking flywheel training tools, the K-Box and the K-Poly. And since its founding in 2011, eccentric products have gone on to be used in Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, NFL, NBA, a number of uh, other leagues around the world, including the EPL, where Leicester City, Chelsea and Arsenal are among their customers. So just to give you a brief bit of background on flywheel training with the K Box and the K-Poly. So backed up by multiple academic research studies, it's been shown to increase strength training effectiveness by not relying on gravity but the inertia of the flywheel so that improves the efficiency of training programs while lowering the total cost as compared to traditional training methods so if you'd like to know more about eccentrics products the k-box and the k pulley head over to their website which is eccentric.com and that's spelt e-x-x-e-n-t-r-i-c.com or follow them on twitter or on instagram at Go underscore eccentric. This episode of the Pace of Performance podcast is also sponsored by iMeasureU, who are a world leading inertial sensor and software platform which is able to quantify body movement and workload metrics in the field. So iMeasureU is used by leading biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field. So iMeasureU recently released IMU-STEP which is a dual sensor and app solution for lower limb load monitoring and has been used successfully by practitioners to optimise return to play for running-based sports predominantly. So, unlike GPS, IMU Step focuses on lower limb musculoskeletal load and works via two really small synchronized high frequency tibial worn sensors. And these sensors can quantify three dimensional force of every step an athlete takes, precise left and right limb load asymmetry, and cumulative bone load. So iMeasureU was founded by leading biomechanist Dr. Tor Bazier and was acquired by Vicon last year in 2017. So iMeasureU works with military, Olympic, pro and collegiate coaches and counts the Australian Institute of Sport, uh, Philadelphia 76ers and Harvard University as some of their clients. So if you'd like to get to know a little bit more about iMeasureU, head over to the website which is iMeasureU.com or follow them on Twitter at iMeasureU. So without further ado, over to the episode with Derek Evely. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So I'm absolutely delighted to get a long, long overdue part two with Derek Evely. So welcome to a part two of the podcast, Derek. Hey, it's good to be here, Rob. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. So I know last time, I think we chatted, we started with a bit of a chat around the prep to London 2012. So if anyone's interested in that, go back and listen to part one. But it'd be good to get a a bit... May no, it wasn't quite 2012, but I know we did touch on the prep to that. It'll have been um, when will oh. it have been? It'll have been three years ago, easily three years ago. Okay. So okay. not That's too long right ago. Okay. Um, but anyone who doesn't know who you are, it'd be good to get a bit of a refresher on a bit of your background and and what you're currently doing.
1: Sure. Well, I'm a uh, track and field coach. I've been a career coach all my you know all, most of my life. Uh, I was a decathlete uh, as an athlete, not not a very good one. Um, national level, barely national level, really in Canada. National level in Canada in the decathlon is not is you know not quite national level from <laughs> other countries, but whatever. I trained at a high performance center and sort of was a low man on the total pole sort of thing, but. Anyways, um, and uh, over the years, you know, I've coached pretty much every event in athletics, Uh, most of them to uh, a high level or had athletes move on into as a development, me being their development coach, had athletes move on to uh, very high levels, number of them won international medals with other high performance coaches um i and then uh you know for when i moved on from uh, that position i had which was the head coach of the of the club here in Kamloops, um i was working for the CACC and Kevin Tyler uh in Edmonton which is Canadian Athletics Coaching Center we were kind of the the first uh i'm pretty sure we were the first to bring a lot of this training um training methodology and things like that, uh, those ideas, uh, podcasts, interviews, and posting information. We, we sort of started the first site that kind of exploded on the scene. This is way back 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. Um, and, uh, so for four years, I did that, which my job was to really sort of study, uh, good coaching practice uh, around the world, not just in athletics, but in everything. And, um, but it primarily had an athletics focus and, uh, you know, bring it to whoever wanted to, uh, listen and hear about it. And then from there I was, uh, I went to Britain, was the uh, center director for one of the two Olympic training centers going into London 2012. Myself, I was, uh, I was the Loughborough um, center director, which I serviced all the athletes outside of London. And my good friend and colleague, who who I am sure everybody listening to this will know, Dan Paff, uh, was the center director for the other one. And so I did that for four years and, and came back. And since then, I've been. Uh, back in Canada, back in Kamloops, um, you know, coaching here and there, um, and uh, but you know, recently I've sort of started this website thing. I was in China last year, working for about seven or eight months, uh, coaching, going back and forth, and I'm getting a little tired of that kind of those kind of gigs. So I've been uh, doing mm-hmm. the online stuff. So, so who you who are you working with in China, Derek? The Olympic guys. I was working at well. It was a really strange gig. It was just really kind of a one-off. Um, that one of the Chinese national centers uh, in Sh- the one in Shanghai was looking to. Um, they were looking for a coach to coach one athlete going into their national games, which is like for them really. For a lot of them, that's bigger than the Olympics. It's 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 a crazy. It's actually the biggest uh, sporting event in the world in terms of numbers. Wow, um, 15,000 athletes or something crazy like that. It's nuts. Anyways, it's a big deal there, and uh, they had a discus thrower that was the uh, previous year's coached by John Cadena from Altus um that kind of ended and uh so i i took over for a year went well it didn't go as well as they wanted it to you know they the the whole deal there was you know to get her back to mental performance there's a lot of issues with her um uh, chinese coaches wouldn't coach her that kind of thing and um you know so they so i was brought in and you know it went well i was really happy with it uh she improved quite a bit um and uh you know so uh but in the end, I think she was fifth at the, uh, at the games. And there I met um, PJ Vasil, who was brought in for the same thing. Uh, he had about the same success. Him and I both, uh, you know, kind of lived together there and coached together. He had one athlete, a sprinter. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a really weird, unique situation. I enjoyed it on one level, but the travel was tough. I was going back and forth from Canada to China, so it was difficult.
0: Nice. So you have become. Oh, actually, reverse. We'll go. We'll have a little chat about the website first. So, how did the website come around? What's the What's the deal with it? What um, What's the vision?
1: Well, it started off. I've been, you know, i i get I get people contacting me about the Bonner Truck System because you know, part of what I didn't include in this life story of mine was that. When I was uh, a coach, when I was coaching the club here in Kamloops, um, <clears throat> excuse me, back in the early 2000s, uh, I was approached by the family of uh, Anatoly Bondarchuk, uh, who is regarded uh, as one of the you know greatest Olympic uh, Olympic coaches ever. Very successful, uh, nine nine medalists he's coached in the throws. Uh, I don't know how many medals it's. Depending on how you look at it, but it's about 20 medals, some something like that. He was Olympic champion in the hammer throw uh, in '72 and bronze medalist in '76. And coached the guy that won and I maybe the guy that was second if I remember right. Anyways, he uh, I brought him over to Canada and him, you know, he started teach me his system. We wrote a book together uh, that never saw the light of day. And uh, he was living <laughs> in my basement and you know, anyways, him and I became quite close and. And uh, so I became sort of the de facto uh, Bonnerchuk guy and I would have people contacting me constantly you know asking questions about it. And <clears throat> when you the which which I have you know had no issue responding to except it's you know there's quite a bit to it. So I just decided that you know I, I over the years I wanted to put something together online, a course people could take to teach them everything because it takes a while. Like you, you really, you know, depending on how much of it you want to know, you know, I think I've got 63 videos or something on there uh, explaining everything. Um, not that you need to, watch all of them to understand it. You don't, it's not that complicated. It's just that there, you know, if you, if you want to, when, when you're teaching it, if you want to cover all of the bases in terms of what, you know, looking at Bonner Trucks books and what those have to offer, then, you know, just there, there's quite a bit to it. So, so I finally, you know, but I never had time to do it. I was always so busy. And then last year, after that, you know, I started putting it together when I was in China because uh, I had a lot of downtime. And so I just, when I came back, I didn't have anything to do. So I started putting it together, and uh, it's been it's gone quite well.
0: Nice. Well, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it, and obviously, it's a it's a nice little segue into you giving a bit of an overview, and then we'll dive in a little bit deeper to certain aspects of the Bondachuk methodology as a whole. I know you said, you know, it's, you can go in as deep as you want, but just to give an, not an overview, it sounds like you're going to whisk through it, but a bit of an, um, an overview, <laughs> an overview is probably the best way, right? right. um, of the Bondachuk methodology and why it kind of resonated with you and how you've become and why you've become that, the Bondachuk guy?
1: Well, there's a few uh, people out there that uh, do it, like, well, really, there's Martin or is the only guy that's kind of online that's, uh, that I think really understands it, um, but he, you know, he and he has a great website, uh, hmmrmedia.com. Um, he's not specifically Bonnerchuk, and, you know, he hasn't coached, uh, you know, anyone international that's, you know, hardcore Chuck and I've coached, everyone I've coached has has done it that way, so I have a ton of data to, to refer to, um, and, uh, you know, if you take the course, I throw all of that up there, and once you sort of see it um, graphically, it, it all sort of begins to make sense to you, okay? So, But in terms of, you know, just explaining it in an overview, it's, it's, I mean, the the simple overview that I have in the course, I start the course with an introduction and then I give a graphic overview where I talk. That's 45 minutes, okay? Yeah, okay. The, The best way to kind of explain it is to look at the sort of the unique essentials with the Bonner truck system. You know, things, there are three things about it that make it very unique. Okay. So I'll explain those. Um, And these are things that, uh, you know, I've spent my career studying methodology. These are three things that you really won't see in any other methodology. It, It is really a unique system. It's completely different from anything out there. And I'll preface what I'm about to say with, um you know, I, I, I wouldn't say it's the greatest system. It's way better than anything else, um, although there's some of his, you know, some of his uh, uh, protégés and athletes, you know, think of it that way. I mean, to me, it's just, it's another system. It's highly effective. People need to decide what works for them in their environment. The Bonner truck system can be applied to anything, um, you know, so I'll, I'll start there, Okay. Um, but I don't, I don't really, I don't present it as something, oh, if you don't do it this way, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're missing out or anything like it. It's totally different. I love to do it. I find it really unique. I find it, it's, it's, I find it very enjoyable to coach this way. The athletes that I work with on this system, at least when it's done the way I do it, they, they do, they do well, they tend to really like it. Okay. So there's three things that that make it quite unique. The first one, and this is the most important one, and this is the one that people have the hardest time wrapping their heads around is that we don't wave load volume and intensity. So what that means is this, is that when you set a number of programs in the Bonner truck system and by programs, I mean, um, a workout. Okay a workout, a session, uh, you know, training unit, however you want to look at it. And all those terms, as I talk about the system through today, anytime I use any of those terms, it means one thing. It means the workout that the athlete comes and does um, when they show up to trainings. Okay. So for me, there's one sheet that has, each of those workouts on it, I use primarily one, two, or three programs, which is one, two, or three different programs. Okay, or training sessions or training units. All right. So those 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 sessions, when we present it to an athlete, prescribe it to an athlete, they do not change throughout the uh, what we call the period of development of sport form, which is you know our major unit of training which is akin to you know in traditional terminology would be akin to a a meso cycle or a macro cycle or even a period you know it's a it's a collection of microcycles okay so and what i say it doesn't change it literally does not change so if you were to walk into a training session at the beginning of that PDSF, what you would see there is exactly what you're going to see if you walk back in, you know, whatever it is, two or three months later at the end of it, okay? The same same, same exercises, same uh, sets, reps, same number of throws, same weights of hammers, same, same everything. It's identical. So just to jump in there, Derek, mm-hmm. and this is a pretty a decent time. Um, how do you
0: how do you get to know what to start with? Where do you start? How do you know where, what way to start with? What reps to start with?
1: Well, <clears throat> first of all, I think that it, it, you know and this might be a little controversial. I I think a lot of people worry way too much about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One, one, one thing I've learned in the Bonner Truck system that it's really those really minute details, even with the lead athletes, um, you know, they're important, but they're not as important as the, you know, the way that the system itself is structured. Okay. So, you know, essentially I start with, you know, I mean, our lifting programs, let's take lifting because that's what everybody likes to talk about. Our, our <laughs> lifting programs, there's nothing, crazy about them. They're pretty standard. Uh, I look at it as if I'm coaching, say a thrower or a speed power athlete, there's a very narrow, uh, bandwidth of per- parameters there that I'm going to stay within. Right. I'm not going to lift beyond, you know, five or six repetitions. Let's say, uh, I'm not, I don't go any lower than two or three. Um, I stay within the, you know, the classic, uh, um, uh uh intensity ranges although I tend not to go up into the max strength although I kind of knock on the door there I, I I I set my I I stay higher up on the force velocity curve what you might term as strength speed uh much more than Bonnerchuk does he he's he stays a lot lower um <clears throat> Bonnerchuk himself when he writes workouts for athletes so, you know, that's um, so, I, you know, it, 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 on the face of it, the session won't look any different than what you might see in any other session. Although, you know, with a thrower, I use a strict complex methodology as well, which means I'm working all of the abilities all the time. Uh, we have them in every single session uh, all year round. OK, so it's highly, highly, highly specific. Um, so, you know, but how do I start there? If it's a brand new athlete, I, I'll have it. I have a general idea of what the, you know, of what they're going to need just from experience. And I start there and then I, 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 you know, and then it takes, it can take up to a year to really sort of figure out what, you know, what an athlete needs in this system. But once you get it figured out, um, then it's bulletproof, and that kind of brings it to the next to to the the next part of that first thing where we're not wave loading volume and intensity. When we do this, when we don't change things, and um, one of the reasons why this system was developed the way it is is because Doctor B's is a throws coach, and uh, uh, you know, and it, throwing lends itself a little easier to uh to the bonner truck system we can in the heavy throws we can throw every single day in fact we can throw twice a day up to about eight to ten times a week which is what my i have two hammer throws i'm coaching right now they're both doing that right now eight times a week uh well no one of them is six times a week the other is eight times a week just because of school schedules but if they were not in school they i'd have them up to ten times a week right and one of them is on a single program and the other one is on two programs. So the guy on the single program is doing that workout 10 times a week, like boom, 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 boom. It just, he just, you know, twice a, some days or twice a day because of his schedule. Other days are once or he only does it a single time. So when we do that in throwing, we can measure every day. Okay. Um, as long as, you know, weather permits, we, we can measure every day. So when we, so we have this, S- really super highly specific measurable, the best measurable that you could possibly get to measure an athlete's form, which is throwing distance, right? <laughs> They're throwers. We have that, uh, every single day. So I record those, they measure it every day. I record it. And when you, when you don't wave load volume and intensity, then, You discover that athletes actually, when you control all of that, what is traditionally a lot of change, and you don't change anything, you'll find that the athletes will all grow to, you know, they will all uh, achieve a peak sooner or later. Okay. And not to get too deep into it, but um, there's a whole other aspect of this, which people that have studied a little bit of Butterchuck we will know about but you really got to sort of get deep into it to truly understand it and those are the peculiarities of sport form which are the three different reactions that each athlete has so uh, Dr. B in doing his studies about loss of form discovered that every athlete will take uh, will will take one of three paths to that peak condition okay Uh, And I won't get too into them, but let's just say they all start, each one starts from a different spot in terms of loss of form. And and they all end up at a peak condition, okay? And that's kind of a weird thing for people. That's kind of a tough thing for people to get their heads around. It's like, you mean I just, you know, I just stick with the same workout? We don't change week week to week? No, we don't. It's I, I The analogy I use in the course is, and I have a huge long graphic I go through, it's like Chinese water torture. It's like drop, 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 drop. And right when you get to the point where the athlete reaches peak condition or right to the, in Chinese water torture, it's like right when you get to the part, part where it starts to drive you crazy. So the athlete has adapted to it. And if you go any further, then it becomes negative. That's when we change. So then we change everything. So change is really, really highly controlled in this. And all of this is dependent upon, uh, you know, not, not wave loading volume and intensity, keeping things the same. So that's number one, okay? And then number two is that when we do that, and like I just said, you know, there is um, – um, sorry, hang on. I just lost my screen here. Okay, there we go. So when we do that um, and we track those measurables and they and they all come into a peak condition sooner or later it's never not happened to me. Um, then you discover that that time. See, we, we don't really look at this in terms of time. It's it's we do it in terms of number of sessions. Okay, look at the number of sessions, and when you start to count those, um, we find that that number that it takes an athlete to reach peak condition is highly individual. For some athletes, it will be 20 or 30 sessions for other athletes. It'll be 40 or 50 and it all depends. Um, and when, when I say 20 or 30 or whatever, it'll be, um, of each program that we present to them. So, and, you know, so that what that means is that the, you know, but time is a reality, right? It is a reality because we have to time things up to when we have to compete. Well, once we understand that then, and we know what that number is, we can, we can put it into a calendar and we can have them peak naturally. So when I say naturally, I mean, they peak according to their, you know, natural physiology, Um, they will peak right on schedule. It's like clockwork. It's crazy. And even within that, um, you will see, um, particularly when you use, I'm just, I'm playing around now these days with, uh, with using one and two programs. I've always used two or three. I've, I've been doing some experimenting with one. Dr. Bonnerchuk uses with his throwers primarily one. Um, I'm, I'm there now. And I find that, um, you know, when you, when you do this, you will actually find that they will peak they have these little mini peaks so you know their growth is not purely linear but you know there are variations in it but then you find that they will peak after in certain patterns and in certain and and when I say peak I mean you know imagine looking at a graph and it's got say 50 sessions in it And each session we recorded the distance and that's a dot on an Excel graph, right? Well, you know, so it's up, down, up, down, but the general trend is up, right? Well, one of the athletes that I, that I'm coaching right now, he's the guy, Dempsey McGuigan, he's on one program. Well, it's like clockwork every sixth or seventh session. He is a really good session. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) and over just finished a very successful pdsf he had a bunch of pbs in it uh with with certain weights of hammers and he netted out around i i don't know exactly what the number is but it's around 40 sessions okay so but every uh about every six or seven session you can you can count it and you can count on him to have a really good day so um, and then when they reach peak condition that kind of levels out a bit and you know every day is 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 good and that's you know once you once you have that number and you can repeat it and it's reliable well then what you do is you just make sure when you compete it's you compete in that zone so for him let's say you know he entered peak condition around say um, session 37 38 and he was you know hit hit an actual peak in uh, 41. And then, you know, we still at a high level till 45, you know, in that 37 or 38 to 45, that's the zone I'm going to want to compete in. And it works. Like it, it's just, it sounds bizarre, but it, it actually works. Okay. So that, that periodization is, you know, that's super customized. And the other thing that we, that we found with this is that, You can because it's so individual and you know and if you can play around with the density enough that you can squish it a bit compress it a bit and we can compress it up to about 10 times for most athletes well they peak more often because they're they're going to have more of those peaks in a given season with most not with everybody but with most with most athletes as opposed to very traditional periodization which will have you peak once or twice maybe once indoors and once outdoors or in you know a lot of the sprint me- high-end sprint methodologies over the last 30 years it'll be like three times right well we found using this system we can actually get an extra peak it, with sprinters you can probably get an extra peak in every year with throwers oh my god i mean i've had athletes peak five or six times in a year um so and why is that important because with each one of those peaks if the peak is and if you know sometimes the peaks are not um over you know they will peak but it's not like they're in pb territory and the reason we'll talk about that when we talk about transfer training but you know you're always trying to find programs that that will, you know, put together exercises that will create the best growth you've ever had. It doesn't always happen, right? Just like any, any program, but the more of those peaks you get in a, in a certain year where they were good quality peaks, the faster the athlete will improve in the long term. Okay. So one, I have a big graphic in the course I want, or it's actually a full module on, um, program set up, uh, where I talk about sprinters and I say, look, you know, <clears throat> think about it, think about it this way. And then we're talking about density here. Okay. So there's three big elements in periodization. There's, there's volume, intensity, and density, and everybody plays around with, with volume and intensity, but they don't mess around with the volume enough. They just or sorry with the density, the is, you know, it's traditional, it's pretty fixed. And in sprinting, that's huge. Not with everybody, but it's usually 3 days a week. 3 3 specific sessions a week and even throwers do that, right? Well, now in sprints you kind of got to do that because you need that time between sessions. You can't sprint twice. That's why you can't do you can't sprint bond or, or sorry, you can't sprint 10 times a week and a lot of people misinterpret the bonder chuck system because they look at what the throwers do and they think, "Well, I can't do it for sprints because I'm going to, you know, I can't, I can't sprint 10 times a week. Well, no, of course you can't. That would be retarded. But, (laughs) but you, but think about this for a second. Everybody that sets up their sprint cycles to go three days a week. Okay. So, you know, and we all live our lives on a seven day schedule, right? So, but because seven days, our week is set up at seven days, we, there's going to be between two of those sessions, there's going to be three days, two days completely off, three days before they return to it, right? And so I did the math. So if you buy into everything that I was just talking about in the Bonner Truck system, which is if you have more quality peaks and any high-level sprint coach will agree with this, I'm sure – the the you know there that zone where you're in a peak with a sprinter you know their 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 body is affected by that like nothing else okay that is a very special time for a sprinter because they're doing things that they well with any athlete but particularly in sprints um, they're doing things you know they grow in ways that they just can't grow unless they're in that zone right so you know i I've, I've done the math on this if you instead of going on a 7 day micro what if you went on a like a, a 4 day micro where or a 3 day micro where you were basically going sprint day off sprint day off sprint you know and you did that well if you look if you do that math and i walk everybody through an entire graphic on this you see that if you look at it in, not in terms of seven days, but let's say in a traditional system, you look at it across two weeks. Well, in a, in, in a traditional system going three times a week, that's six sessions every two weeks, right? Three and three is six. But if you lay that against, if you overlay a two plus one, then what you're, what, or, or even, or sorry, I think it's three plus one is what I use. Yeah. train, uh, non-specific day sprint train. Sprint. When I say train, I mean specific. So specific day, non-specific day, specific day, and then a day off. A four-day micro. If you roll those over, you're actually doing seven specific sessions every two weeks, as opposed to six. Okay. Now, why is that important? Well, if you do the math on that, and again, if you buy into what I said about you know the more peaks in a given year then you will achieve um and you will achieve I think it's an extra peak every extra one or two peaks every year anyways it turns out that you will get over the course of of a standard career which is 8 to 10 years of high performance training you'll get an extra 2 years worth of specific training that's huge when you think about it right so you know this is this is this is what you know, anyway. So that you know, and this is this is where the, when you study this Bonner truck method, even if you don't do Bonner truck hardcore, there's there's elements of it that make you reconsider our traditional way of thinking on strength. Okay, and then the last thing, the last you know, that was number two, and then the last thing is simply that we don't again we don't use volume and intensity to drive adaptation. So in a, in a, in a, uh, we use exercises, we use a change in exercise set. So <clears throat> by that, I mean, remember number one, we keep everything constant, right? When you have, uh, when, when you have, um, um, like when you look at a traditional system, right what what do we do we an athlete starts training and we are manipulating those loads in order to force adaptation and create a peak right that's standard nothing wrong with that right i mean people have done that for you know 100 years and, and it and it works well it's just this system doesn't do that because we keep the volume and intensity and density well density we might play with a little bit near the end but essentially we 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 keep it all constant um, what we do is when, when it comes time, when it comes time to change, we, uh, we use, we use a complete change in exercise set to stimulate adaptation in the next PDSF, those long-term cycles. Okay. So where Traditionally, a coach might say, okay, well, you know, I just had a peak. Now I'm I'm setting up for another macrocycle. It's gonna be say uh two and a half or three months long. The first thing they do is they, they will tend to use more traditional exercises, ones that they know have worked in the past. Um, and in some cases, those just carry right through from cycle to cycle. You know, think of the standard exercises, squat bench cleans, right? And but what they will do is they will change the they will change the loading patterns to you know they may have been let's say if you're this time of year we you will know, we'll tend to be at a higher rep range you know a little bit less intense we're trying to create a volume effect um, and then as we get closer to competition it gets more and more intensive right and there's a whole discussion we could have around that or you know with the Cheney methodology and how that changed, you know but we don't do that we always stay within the highest if we can the highest uh, range remember what i said at the beginning the high, that we we stay within those very specific parameters of loading what we do is we change the exercises that we present to the athlete so we we that sort of shifts the way you look at training because what i'm doing when I look back on my training to see what worked, yeah, I will take into consideration, you know, the, the, you know, the loading patterns I use, but that's not really what I'm looking at. That's not primarily what I'm looking at, what I'm looking at, what exercises did I have in there that where, you know, those specific measurables, you know, that for us, it's a throwing distance. What of those reached a very high level and in the cycles where, where we had huge growth, I'm looking at the exercises that we used. Um, and over time I'm trying to see which one's transferred the best and that's the whole basis for Bond or Chuck's, uh transfer of training books you're always trying to find um, the right the right exercises or groups of exercises that, stimulate adaptation. And then, of course, the trick of it is, is that we never use the same group ever at the same time. So it gets, it can get a little tricky, but that's, that's the art form of the system is to, is to be able to establish those transfers and then bring exercises in and out as, as, you know, as we go from PDSF to PDSF and stimulate adaptation. So we're just going to take a very
0: quick break in the chat with Derek, I hope you're enjoying part 1. So over in part 2 we discuss more about transferring the truck methodology into different sports and environments as well as building out what the methodology is and the basics of how you might be able to use that in your environment. But just before we do get into part 2, I want to say a massive thanks to Black Box Fitness for sponsoring this episode today. So Black Box are a gym manufacturer, specialist gym manufacturer in performance equipment. So whether you're looking for some basics to go to, to bump up what you've currently got in your facility, whether it's bars, plates, anything like that, make sure you do check out black box fitness but if you've got bigger projects so full gym fit outs um, racks you know platforms all that kind of stuff they're based in Belfast in Northern Ireland but do um, plenty of projects in Europe and other parts of the world so really cool um, great company to work alongside so if you are interested in anything to do with performance gym equipment they are at blackboxfitness.com so blkboxfitness.com and also on Instagram and Twitter at blkboxfitness also big thanks to Hawking Dynamics for also sponsoring this episode today so Hawking Dynamics offer the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So are able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud based system from anywhere in the world. Head over to the website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, which you can do, and you can also schedule a demo and follow them on Twitter at hawkingdynamics. So, be good to get an example of what you might swap out for what in a in a specific, um, say, taking your your um, Dempsey. So
1: you you mentioned that's that's a perfect question. So so. Okay, so right now, you know, I just took on Dempsey. Okay, and this actually went really well. Um, so, I guess to illustrate this, let me explain to you what I would do when I take on a new athlete, which is what I, I just took on Dempsey. Now, Dempsey has spent the last few years training <clears throat> with one of the top. Throws coaches in the world. a Guy named John Smith, who's a credibly successful coach at Mississippi, uh, coaches Raven Saunders. Has a just a slew of athletes that have uh, thrown really far and done really well. Um, for whatever the reasons are, Dempsey needed a change. Uh, I think I think things went very well with him down there. But you know, he's he's graduated or he's a post grad now, and he's has no eligibility. So you know, he's kind of moved on. And asked me if I would coach him. Okay, well, the first thing that I do when I take on a new athlete. Okay, well, the first thing I did with him was I <laughs> sent John an email. Said you, you, you know, are you okay with this? And he's he was very gracious and kind with it. So, um, so the first thing that I do is I I I say to him, look, I need to know. Everything you've done in the last two years, I don't need to see systems, rep ranges, or anything like that. I need exercises. I just tell, I don't need to see a program. I don't need to see, what I need to see is an inventory. What have you been doing? What And when I say exercises, I mean everything. So for me, that means as a hammer, Dempsey's a hammer thrower, to, as, for a hammer thrower, primarily, first and foremost, I want to know what weights of hammers were you using in training traditionally what were you going to all the time and the first program that i'm going to give him is going to have is going to have none of those in it okay it's going to if he was doing let's say if he was doing uh hang cleans uh you know full squat and uh you know whatever you know i'm i'm not going to put those i'm going to stay away from those exercises as long as i can no matter what they say to me if they oh my god you know i can't not squat because i'll say no that's not. That's not how. No, we need to get away from all of that, you know. And so one thing you'll find, especially when you have a new athlete, you, they just they just shoot right up right, right off the bat because that change in stimulus is you know really powerful. And so early on, and we've seen this with Dempsey, I'm getting very good results from him. That's going to taper off as he he starts to adapt to everything I'm giving him. Okay, so you know it. It, there, you know, there is, there may be a long-term consideration here in terms of when I am, you know, like, well, I'll use Dempsey again. So Dempsey here, you know, it's been the fall. I've been, we've just gone through the first PDSF. I think we've had two of them actually. Um, and this, they were both successful. Second one, very successful. Um, and so... Those because it's the fall, you know, I'm 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 giving him I'm staying more in the heavy hammer range. You know, uh, everything's incredibly specific, but I wanted to sort of, you know, I'm, I'm not really trying to build a base, but I'm trying to really develop that specific strength right now. The next cycle he's going to have is good. We're going to lighten things up a bit. We're going to go to a, st- a standard hammer and a light hammer. Um, so I do I may have a long-term strategy in terms of a long-term, you know, going from everything's always highly specific, but this time of year we might be uh, get further away from the competitive implements and things like that. Um, and then as we get more towards um uh competition, say in the spring, then we will be more, you know, he will be throwing the competitive weight more but, in in a tr- let's say in a traditional hammer program, what a lot of people will do is go strictly from heavy hammers, and if you look at it across the entire tr- annual plan, it'll go from heavy hammers, and it will just basically uh, work its way down to light hammers. They'll 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 phase them out or drop the heavy. Hammer. That's not the way that I look at it. The way I look at it is, I am always trying to find which hammers drive the best results. And so, and then I will use those going into competitions in those cycles prior to main competitions, because I know that I'm going to get a high transfer off. And why would I not use them just because they're heavy? And, you know, I always tell a story that I had with, uh, you know, when I was coaching Sophie Hitchin um, um, one year, well, I coached her for three or four years, in Britain, and in 2011, she made her first world championships team. Young, young girl on a big world champs team went to Britain uh, or uh, went to Asia, uh, Korea to compete. And we were in training camp there and we're throwing twice a day and we're throwing heavy hammers because the heavy hammers were getting the best results from her that year. I knew exactly. I knew. I think then it was a six kilo hammer and I knew that that was giving her really good results. Throughout that that whole season in 2011, but we're in training camp, and the head coach and Dan Paff was my roommate. They kind of ganged up on me, and they were like, you know, they were watching, and they're going, "What is she doing? She's throwing heavy hammers. We're in final phase for you. She should be throwing light hammers." And blah blah blah. But my evidence throughout the year didn't say that. So, you know, Dan's Dan was my roommate. He's working on me a little bit. Hey, what are you doing? Here. You know. What I'm saying? <laughs> I never do that, you know. You, you know. You know. I'm doing my best, Dan. Hi, that is good. I like it. Yeah, and then, uh, and then Charles is show up at the at the circle. He goes, "What?" Well, you know, Charles is way more direct. He goes, "What are you doing?" I would not do this. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "Well, and like a fucking rookie, what do I do?" I make the change. I got worried. You know. Oh my god, she tanked. She just fucking tanked. She, she, she had a terrible championship. Now, she also got the flu when she was there. So, you know, that was a part of it, too. So a year later, we're going into the Olympics, and we're at another training camp in Portugal. Those bastards, same thing. They ganged up on me again. <laughs> Dan was my roommate again. He was Dan, they always room me with Dan, right? And – Dan was my roommate again, Char- and Charles comes to the, you know, and and he, you know, throws a con. Oh, you're throwing. Tw- and this time it was more about throwing twice a day. And, and I'm like, stop. I go, no. I'm not. And this was all in fun, right? I was like, stop. No, I know what I'm doing. Don't. And he goes, oh, he just chuckled. Okay, okay. And same thing, Charles shows up, and he goes, oh, you're throwing heavy hammer. i like, no, Charles, Charles, don't want to hear it. Well, you know, we stuck to our plan. Boom. British record at the Olympic games in qualifying with only three throws. Okay. That was, you know, it, it, you know, so um, now we are also throwing a light hammer as well, but I mean, we, we just, it's just, we just, uh, I don't look at it in terms of traditional tapering or traditional, Uh, stages or, you know, however you want, a funnel or however you want to look at it, okay? That's not the way we look at this. We look at it in terms of uh, blocks of training, and that's probably where the Bonnetruck system initially got this block periodization from, although it is not block training at all. It's the exact opposite of that. But we do look at it in terms of these PDSFs throughout the year, and we are always trying to establish what is giving us the best result with the competitive event. And then once we sort of get an idea of that, and that does evolve over time too, it does change, then we are trying to bring those implements or those exercises, weight room exercises too, special exercises to in and out of the program as needed to achieve the best results we can when we need them. Mm-hmm. So I, that was a long discussion, but that's essentially how it works.
0: No, that's cool. That's great. Um, just moving on, and, and I know I don't know if this has always been part of how you've implemented the methodology, but velocity-based training, how has that evolved over time and how does that fit into what you've just been talking about?
1: Well, when I was talking about not wave loading volume and intensity, and I said that, you know, we track these specific measurables and I track everything on on Excel, um, what they, you know, these guys send me results every day and I just, fa- I just plug it in and then I get these, you know, I just monitor these, these Excel uh, graphs, right? And like I said, they will all follow one of the three different patterns um, and they will, and those you know, they will end up achieving a peak condition. Okay. Well, when I saw the push band first advertised, what about six or seven years ago, I was like, you know, I see here, here's the problem with this is that we are reliant upon those specific measurables. Okay. Like the whole thing relies on having those measurables. If you don't have them, you can't, you can't determine when your athletes in peak condition, right? Now, if you are John Smith in Mississippi and you can throw all year round and a cold day is like five degrees, uh, that's one thing. But when you are me in Canada and, you know, it's minus 40 out, well, it doesn't get minus 40 anymore, (laughs) but minus minus 30 and we can't throw outside, although we have with hammer throwers you can and I've done it. But let's just say – let's say you can't, you have to throw indoors and you got to throw into a net. Well, how are you going to do that, right? So what you need to do is you, you need to find other measurables. But the problem with that is that there's a huge assumption there that any other measurables that you use mean that you're going to be, if you're peaking in, let's say, a vertical jump and you're measuring that with a force plate or however the hell you're going to measure it, Whatever standing long jump, and you're and you're measuring it with, uh, you know, um, a measuring tape. Whatever the hell it is, it could be anything, right? <laughs> um, then you know you're making a big assumption there. That if I'm more explosive, I'm a better hammer thrower, right? So I was thinking, well, I need to, you know, this is and this all coincided with when I moved back to Canada. And I was, you know, in Britain, I built, I literally built a, a covered throwing area, which they've since torn down, um, in, in Loughborough, so we could throw outside all year round. We could always get that measurement, so it wasn't an issue. But then when I moved back to Canada, I saw the push band come out, and, I, and my brain started going a mile a minute. And I'm thinking, well, shit, we could take this thing, this accelerometer, measure the speed of the bar uh, when we're whatever exercise we're doing. And we just track that alongside the the throwing distances. And I have a backup measurable, right? But here's the big, but the first thing I had to do was establish that there's a correlation there. So in other words, I had to first establish, am I, am I, Um, you know, so if the athlete is say a number one in those three different reactions, so let's say the athlete is a a number one and they are going to basically, there's a linear growth, uh, when they start training and they reach peak condition, I need to know that when they, those, that, those, that, that curve that I established with the with the bar velocities, is going to mimic the curve that I get with the throwing distances, and it needs to be reliable. So I just set about. I bought one, and I just set about, set about um, um, doing that. I thought, what the hell? Let's just try, it, right? It was cheap enough. It it wasn't. It wasn't breaking the bank, right? It wasn't like I didn't have the money to buy a, a tendo or anything like that. So uh, I just said, I just bought one. Well, lo and behold, what do I find? they mimic it almost directly certain exercises, you know, obviously better than others like cleans for hammer throwers and snatch in particular is very, very close, but I get it with, uh, you know, with, uh, dynamic squats and all these different things. And, you know, it's interesting because at the time I sent an email to the push guys and I said, Hey, I said, you guys need to look at this because this is pretty incredible and nobody really took interest. This is years ago. This Nobody really took interest in it. But then Chris contacted me a couple months ago and said, hey, you know, I've been listening to your, some of the stuff you put up. Uh, you know, I, I heard you talk about this. Can you do something with us? And so I did that video that's up on their site now where I walk everybody through this. Right. But essentially what I what I found is that is that, yeah, there is a very strong correlation when you don't wave load volume and intensity if you keep the same. So, you know, Dempsey, his current program, he's doing dynamic squats. He's doing, he does four sets. It goes uh, 100K, 125K, 135 and 135. And all I really track are those two 135 sets. I take the best mean measurement. I take the best peak measurement single rep across uh, any of the reps, you know, the best speed of the best, uh, the best speed across any of the reps. And I just track it. And lo and behold, yep. When he peaks, when he peaks with the, uh with the bar in generally speaking, when he, you know, when he comes into peak condition with the throwing, he comes into peak condition with the bar. Now, why is that good? Well, if, if we get it i mean he's down in mississippi but for him if he's in a situation gets into a situation where he doesn't have the facility to get that measurable that throwing measurable every day i can have him throw into a net do the exact same program and you can always find a weight room and do do a you know whatever exercise you need to do and i can use the push velocities to determine when to peak exactly okay the other thing it's really good for is sometimes with these reactions it's not entirely clear especially with a new athlete which Dempsey is it's not entirely clear whether they're coming into peak condition they may have just a a one-off good day and you think oh god they're going into peak condition you're not really sure and but then the next few days are down and you're you know well I also have a backup measurable that I can use to determine whether they're peaking because i know generally speaking when they come into peak condition and they get into that plateau where everything is really good and they're rocking and rolling and pretty much every day is a is a really good session i'll see the same thing with the bar speeds so if i don't have the measurable uh, you know uh, or if you know if there's any question with the throws distances then i have this backup measurable to make the decision as to whether we're in peak condition or not And that's really important because in the Bonnerchuk system, when you reach peak condition, that's when you have to decide what you're going to do next. You cannot wait for them to go down because if they go down too far, well, you can. But, you know, if you want to go into competition and and into, say, a maintenance cycle, you can't let them go down. You got to you got to hit them. You got to change everything when they're when they're up. Nice. So. It, it changed everything. It was huge, man. And that's why I was like, <laughs> years ago, I was like, you guys need to fucking look at this. And they were like, uh, you yeah, okay, cool. You know. But Chris is different. Chris was like, holy shit. So he so he uh you know, he called me. I was on the road to Vancouver. We talked for like an hour and a half on the phone about it. I was, you know, had the headphones on and or had my, you know, and I I'm driving down the road, and I'm telling him all this, he's getting off on it, and you know, and that led to this. <laughs> this this video i did for him so i just think it's there's i just i mean don't you as an s you know as a speed power coach don't you think that's interesting i mean even if you don't do bond or check don't you think that's there's some value to 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 that absolutely yeah If 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 a two and two go together
0: it makes complete sense
1: yeah, use and it tape. and it you know it does other things too. Like it, you know, to me it gave validity to the to the device first of all because yeah. if I have this natural if I have this natural measurable that is indisputable. Okay, it is throwing distance with a tape. You can't argue against it. Is a better measurable than anything that is that you could ever. In in any lab you could ever produce, how can you argue with that, right? If I have this natural curve and the push, the push velocities are showing me the same thing. Well, the damn device is working, right? Right? I mean, it, <laughs> you know, it, it is. It's got to be right. So, anyways, and uh, you know, and it, it, um, and it, and I can use now. I wouldn't go as far as to say that. Miladin Jovanovic would be an interesting guy to bring into this discussion, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that means that there's cause and effect there. But I do will use that information when I go to this, to look at transfer. Just because they're correlating together and they're growing together doesn't mean one has transfer over the other, but it is a it is a good piece of information for me.
0: So I'm I'm conscious that I'm keeping you for an hour, Derek. But
1: I just want to go back. I mean, I, we... you know, dude, I, I do these things like babble on like crazy. And fuck, I've given up. <laughs> to, I've given up trying <laughs> no, to be that's concise. Fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's fine, mate. So just going back to where we started, which was the course. Actually, no, we'll go back to the video on the Push website. Just give us a bit of an overview of what what you talk about in that video and why people should uh, have a little listen
1: a watch sorry you know hey and i'm not a salesman for push okay they're not paying me or anything okay no, yeah, they gave absolutely. me a free yeah. push they're, they're they're good to me i think it's a good partnership i would not enter into it if if i you know i'm not selling anything here um so that's important um it uh, so in the video I just, I essentially go through what I just talked about and except it's got all the graphics I'm showing all of the graphics and it was really interesting because I, I think I, I you know I put a a supplementary video on at the end because as I was doing the video was when Dempsey was coming into peak condition and he's a new athlete I wasn't sure right so I w- I was exactly going through what I just described in real time, as I was doing this video, and so I I show everyone those graphs, and I'm just sort of saying, yeah, you know, like look at this. This looks kind of bizarre right here. I think he, uh, I think in the supplementary video, he really has this crash with the uh, with the with the with the bar velocities that wasn't quite there with with the um, with the um, throwing distances so i in the supplementary thing i said yeah check this out this just happened over the last few days you know i think he's done
0: well i was wrong
1: he actually went right back <laughs> and he had a lifetime pb went over 59 meters with a with one weight of hammer for the first time ever is really happy and those damn bar velocities came back up and mimicked it actually and i didn't actually do a video on that but but the point is is that you know it was uh it, it was a really interesting, real time, real life, you know, the data was, you know, tr- real data that I was, mm-hmm. that I, you know, that I've collected. And I, I you know, to me, I just think it's uh, it's something people should think about, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. People, if there's one thing about the Bonner Trucks, if there was one thing I would say to people that write programs in any sport, for anyone, if there's one thing I've learned, and you would really only learn this with the Chuck system because we're so hardcore with that not wave loading volume and intensity and using exercises to drive adaptation, to change an exercise set. If there's one thing I would say that you can benefit from it, even if you're not doing Bonnerchuk, and I talk a lot about this in the course, control your change. We change in my opinion, knowing what I know from Bonerchuck, we change way too much, like way, but people have, it's such a part of standard methodology that people, everybody's doing it all the time. And I've just found that, um, you know, you need to keep those dosages as constant as possible to reach a peak condition and then end it there right i mean when you when you keep those th- that change as constant as you can they will you are you're, you're giving them a better opportunity to adapt to the load if you if you're always changing things yes you may be stimulating here and there but they never get a chance to adapt and I think in traditional methodology, that's actually a philosophy. Well, you don't want it, you want them to adapt, but you don't want them to adapt, to adapt. Yeah, I get that. But I think they take it too far. I think it's too much change. We have the same thing. We want, you know, we want them to adapt, but the moment they do and we're sure of it and they're in peak condition, then we hit them with a change. And that's super critical. Mm-hmm. And where can people? get
0: more information on the course what's the website derrick
1: www.eviltracksport.com e-v-e-l-t-r-a-k-s-p-o-r-t.com just go there it's all there i also have a bunch of uh, really good videos from our conference we did the international uh um conference of athletics excellence we did in vancouver we had about 175 180 people show up to it and i brought pj and dan up fuzz con nick garcia bonner check myself all presented and i've been posting videos there of that i just posted one last night which is a kick-ass video on uh, that uh that pj Vasil did on um sprint accelerations and he this guy dude you gotta have him on the podcast. Have you ever talked to him? No, I haven't. I've got his um I took down
0: his Twitter account earlier on to give him a little stalk and drop him a message.
1: This, this kid, this guy, he, I call him a kid. He's in he, he's in his 30s. He's unbelievable. He he is a freaking genius. And he would be all shy if you hear me say uh, he the guy is unreal. He's a um he's a sprint coach, has had, you know, it's coached medalists and uh, some of the top French athletes. Um, He, um, but he's a, like a historian and a data scientist. Um, And he has, you know, he likes nothing more than to pour over, uh, you know, old methodologies and programs and go through statistics. He's a statistician. Um, And he actually does that for the IAAF, the, the uh, international governing body for track and field or athletics. And he, the guy has just so much interesting stuff. And so in this one video I posted last night, he's, you know, he uh, he t- he goes through all of this data which he's collected, okay. And he showed, you know, he he looks at trends, um, and he you know gives his thoughts and evaluations and recommendations on on how you should set up uh, acceleration programs and that based upon all of the data. And some of it is just, it's mind blowing. And it, you know, really, uh, uh, quite interesting. He, he's a special dude, that guy, you should have him on the podcast. He's quite, he, he, he's, you know, he's very soft spoken, incredibly intelligent. Um, he's not like me, you know, I'm <laughs> not getting loud and obnoxious, but he, um, but he, he has so much to offer. He's on the list. He's firmly on the list. Derek,
0: what? Where can people contact you on Twitter? Do you know your Twitter
1: account? At Evil Track E V E L T R A K. Perfect. And, you know that Evil Track is like I've had the same email for like since email started. <laughs> and when email started, the reason it's Evil Track, in case anybody wants to know, and we can end on this. Sorry, I'm babbling on like crazy. But the reason it's Evil Track is because I wanted it to be evilly track when I. But this is so long ago it's back when you could only have eight characters on email so i shortened wow. it to evil track took the c out and took the y out and it just always stuck everybody calls me that hey evil track <laughs> so that's how i that's how i got it so it's you know no, that's cool happy days yeah. well derek thank you very much for giving up
0: an hour of your time and um giving us some a part two on the insights um on Chip methodology so really appreciate it mate thank you very much well, I appreciate you asking me. No, pleasure, mate. Great, great work you do, Rob. Keep it up. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. Ciao soon. All right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. I'm sure your mind is as fried as mine was after listening to Derek uh, explain the Bondachuk methodology and lots of things going on in your head of what we, why we do what we do and how we do it. And there's the certain things that Kind of seem a given, maybe aren't a given in this in the the Chuck methodology. So plenty to think about. So massive thanks to Derek for giving up his time, but also big thanks to the sponsors of the podcast today, which are I Measure You, Hawking Dynamics, Black Box Fitness, and Eccentric. So big thanks to them for, for supporting the podcast. And as I say every week, could not. The podcast could not run in its current form without the support of them guys. So make sure you check them out great guests coming up over the next couple of weeks in the lead up to christmas from guys in the uk to europe and to australia so make sure you press subscribe on your chosen podcast player and i will chat to you soon